Welcome to the Fairway Performance Podcast. My aim for this podcast is to have conversations and to record solo episodes like this to help you improve your golf, your fitness, and your health. And I'm your host, Sean Dykoff. And today, I just want to quickly give out two announcements. Um, One is for the golf fitness retreat that I'm hosting in Bali at the end of May this year. Uh, I'm going to have a link in the show notes below, so you can click on that and you can find out all the details for that. And also grab yourself a $200 discount if you are one of the first ones to book in and secure your spot on that. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm hoping to have a great attendance at it uh, because it's the first event that I'm going to be running uh, after I've done years and years of these fitness type retreats for my gym and clients of my gym here in Sydney and the event will be in Bali, we'll play four amazing golf courses, we'll do golf fitness workshops so you actually go away with some tangible you know, information so that you can implement it in your training and get the best results from your training when you go back home and, and use this stuff when you're, when you're back at the, the home golf course and the home gym and uh, have a great time with other like-minded people while, while playing these amazing courses. So uh, click the link in the show notes and have a look at the, um, what the inclusions and the exclusions, stuff like that. If you, have any info, uh, if you have any need for more information on it, then you can always email me or get in touch via Instagram uh, at Sean, S-H-A-U-N dot Dyakov, D-I-A-C-H-K-O-F-F on Instagram or Sean, S-H-A-U-N at fairwayperformance.com. So they're the best two ways to get in touch. The second thing is if you haven't already, then it's time for you to check out the Fairway Performance Training app because if you've been listening to this podcast for some time, uh, even if it's just your first time listening to it, you know that there is a seven-day free trial for the Fairway Performance Training app and it is the resource that, the only resource that you'll need for your golf fitness and, and golf training. So if you jump on the link in my Instagram or the link in the show notes below, you can get yourself a seven-day free trial. Once you jump in into the app, you can click on the uh, question box in there, which comes straight up, and I'll answer your question about which program is going to be the best to start for you. You can let me know what experience level you have in the gym, what your goals are around training, all that type of stuff, and I'll help you select one of the programs within the app that's going to get you the best results for where you're at and where you're hoping to go with your golf and your fitness. So that's the two little announcements I wanted to make. Uh, Now to jump into the episode, today I wanted to cover off on five keys to getting the most from your golf fitness program and this applies to any program that you ever follow and they're five, they're probably things that you would have heard or that they may or may not be things that you would have heard. Some of them will be um, potentially a slap in the face for some people, just a little reminder um, that these are things that we need to do in order to get the best results from our training. Uh, and for some people, you may not have heard of uh, the thing or, or realize that this has such importance in a training program and it'll enable you to then uh, follow this or, or use this um you know, key because it's the thing that you're missing and it will unlock some new gains or progress for you. Now, the first one that I'm going to talk about is uh, consistency and adherence. Now, one of the guys who I really look up to in the fitness space and the um, the training space, uh, and he works with athletes across the world in all the, the top sports or, or top athletes in all the, the top sports in the world. And one of his sayings or one of the things that he says is adherence is the number one determinant for success in a program. And what he means by that is if you adhere to the program and you're consistent in doing it, then you will probably get the result. It's the number one thing that people miss is they miss days, they miss weeks, they skip days, they skip weeks, and they don't get a result. And it's because they didn't adhere to the program. Now, the 
one of the things that I like to talk about in uh, the consults that I do with clients who are, are joining my gym, my brick and mortar gym here in Sydney is that consistency is what is going to get you the results because with the training that they are doing, they are going uh, they're coming to a CrossFit gym and they're doing a broad range of things and they're trying to build general fitness. And for them, having exposure across a multitude of different things is going to help build that broad base of fitness and strength and uh, all the different facets of uh, fitness and health. So if someone was to come in three times a week for 52 weeks of the year, that would equal 156 training sessions that that person has done. And I find it hard to believe that that person wouldn't have had some uh, progress in leaps and bounds in their health and fitness by doing 156 training sessions out of 365 days. Um, the reason being, like, obviously the program is going to help them, but two, the intangibles, like... Um, the small changes that you make by maybe not having as many drinks the night before or drinking, uh, making poor food choices the night before you go and train because you want to do better at training. And then after having trained, you don't want to undo your results of training by going out and getting hammered or drinking beers or doing whatever else it is or eating poor quality food because you want you feel good about yourself. You feel good about the um, the hard work that you put in and you don't want to just negate that straight away by putting some bad food or, or other things into your body to undo that um, hard work. So consistency and adherence are the number one determinants for success in a training program. Now, I just gave the example of obviously a, a general health and fitness program, but obviously applies to a golf fitness program. If we're going to be doing... Uh, you know, different movements in there and they're all specific to golf fitness by doing them repetitively over and over and applying some of the principles that I'm going to talk about later, uh, we're obviously going to see a result and an improvement because we're practicing and getting better at those things in the gym. Now, the second thing is the quality of movement and choosing the right movements uh, or, or doing the movements right, I should say. So quality movement, what we're looking for here is that you complete the movements well before you scale up in load or intensity. So we want to have a good movement pattern before we go and weight it up too much or do too many reps at that of that movement uh, because we can cause overuse injuries or a whole multitude of different uh, injuries can happen because of that and that's going to stall our progress and we're not going to be able to train and we're not going to get results. So obviously we want to move well and the best way to move well is to find a local PT in your area who can teach you some of this stuff or to find a training program like mine where I actually run through that in the app and teach you the different movements as you're going through them and provide some instruction and you can watch me perform the movements and I do good demonstrations of all the movements in there and you get a feel for what the movement should look like so that we cover off on um, visual learners and auditory learners. Um, the only thing that we can't cover off on being an online program is the tactile cues or helping people um, with touch or, or sensation as they go through the movement. Um, the the next thing, uh, doing the movements right or essentially what I want to say in that part of, of this uh, point is uh, doing the amount of sets and reps that it says in the program. And that's probably one of my biggest uh, bugbears, I would say, with a training program is if I've gone to the effort to take the time to understand why doing a certain amount of sets and reps at a particular of a particular movement is going to cause a certain... Uh, or impose a certain stimulus on the body, which is then going to create a certain adaptation on the tail end of that. So 
if we think about that, if we lift really heavy weights, we're going to build fast twitch muscle fibers and we're also going to build strength because in order to lift that weight, we need to recruit a lot of motor units to lift it. So we're going to build strength there. And also we have to try really hard to do it and that helps build fast twitch fibers. Believe it or not, lifting heavy weights helps do that um, rather than just moving quickly. It's another way to do it, but the, the heavy weight will help do that too. So by... Uh, changing the reps and maybe five didn't feel hard enough so you end up just doing eight reps then what we've just crossed over into is we've gone from strength into muscle hypertrophy and sure strength could maybe float up to around eight reps depending who you are and could be a really heavy weight etc but I would argue for most people we're starting to break into muscle hypertrophy which we're not training fast twitch fibers we're breaking down muscle tissue and hopefully growing it back bigger and stronger, which is the, uh, or bigger essentially, uh, potentially stronger or has the potential to be stronger, but not as always, not always stronger. Um, we're building those muscles back bigger. So then we can go back to the um, strength work and, and get stronger there. But essentially by not doing the right sets and reps there, we've just changed the adaptation that we're going to get, which means the program is not being adhered to and we're going to get a different result than what the program intended because we haven't stuck to what it is. And in all of the programs that I have within the Fairway Performance Training app, I have a program guide at the start of it and it's my hope that everyone reads that and understands that before they actually commence the program so they get a bit of an idea of my thought process going into it and trying to explain what the different sets and reps mean and what they'll do and how they'll help you with your golf game. And um Every time I get a question about that, I look at what the program guide is and I try uh, my best to slightly tweak the explanation to factor in the answer to the question that I gave to someone uh, if it could be explained better or I've found a different or better way to explain it to people. So um, that's how I'm trying to tweak it. But essentially at the essence there, we're trying to have quality movement and or the key that we want is, uh, is quality movement and uh, the, the right movements. Uh, the third thing is progressive overload. Now, one thing which uh, CrossFit is, it's a little harder to program for in a CrossFit class is because we're doing constantly varied functional movements, we're always changing the movements and doing different variations of them. Now, this is good if we want to build general fitness because we're getting exposure to a lot of different things. And it's also something that, you know, F45s and Orange Theories and other franchise type fitness places do is they have that constant variance there because people will always make progress for an extended period of time when they're doing that. What we mean by progressive overload is rather than changing the movements every week and doing, you know, different sets and reps and whatever else, is we want to do the same movement and we want to load that movement up over the weeks. So the best way to do that is, or, or the best example I can give for, for now is if we're doing a bicep curl, you know, week one of the program, we're going to do three sets of eight reps and we're going to use a certain weight. And then week two, we can either do three sets of nine reps at the same weight. So we're increasing the volume uh, by you know a certain percentage by one to two reps um, and then we go about that and follow that progression over a number of weeks or we can go down the route of keeping it at eight reps but increasing the weight by you know maybe one two three four kilos uh, and doing that week over week for up to four eight or four six eight weeks um, until it gets really really tough to do that so that's what I mean by progressive overload and 
the reason I really love that is because we can literally get away with doing four 12-week blocks across a year and only needing to do four different variations of squat across a year in order to build some really serious uh, leg strength for for golfers or for for the general public, whoever it uh, tends to be or happens to be. So we could literally do 12 weeks of back squats. Then we could do 12 weeks of front squats. Then we could do 12 weeks of overhead squats. Uh, and then we could do 12 weeks of maybe sandbag squats and, and like holding onto a sandbag or Cossack squats or the, or um, single leg split squats uh, or uh, rear foot elevated split squats. There's so many different variations that we can do. And within that 12 weeks, we could do three little four-week stints where we could go um, you know, three sets of eight, three sets of nine, three sets of 10. And then we go up to four sets of eight, four sets of nine, four sets of 10. And we're just like increasing the weight or increasing the volume or, or doing some sort of progression there of around three to 5% of volume or weight each week over that period. And we're just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and build muscle on top of muscle. So sticking with something like that is how we milk the most gains we can from those movements in order to keep making progress over time. Uh, hopefully that explains progressive overload, but it's a very, very important principle. It's made it into one of the five keys um, for getting the most out of a program. So I hope that um, you don't underestimate the seriousness of, of progressively overloading movements and, and stuff that you do in the gym. Uh, the next thing is specificity. So if we're looking for success in a golf fitness program, we need to look to what you are rewarded for as a golfer and what attributes we want to improve the most, and then how do we gain those attributes. So when when we look at it um, as two different things like cardio or weightlifting, uh, essentially cardio in golf, we're not really rewarded for how fast we can run around the 18 holes. The the speed at which we play, you know, walking between shots, spending a few minutes here, spending a few minutes there, um, maybe it's a hilly course and has, um, you know, lots of bridges that you have to walk around the fairways and, and like distance between holes and whatnot. Um, but I would argue that most people are not going to have any uh, lack of cardio to walk the course. Or if you're an amateur golfer, you can always just drive around in a cart if, if your fitness is lacking that much or your cardio is lacking that much that you struggle to walk around. Uh, what we are going to be rewarded for more is our ability to have a more consistent and powerful and strong golf swing so that we can replicate it um, time after time after time in explosive efforts across a round of golf or across four rounds of golf over four days if you're a professional playing in tournaments and uh, the consistency to remain and not get sore, tired, um, feel like your back is aching or develop soreness or stiffness in parts of the body uh, because they're weak and they can't handle the volume or the load of swinging the club um, over that time. So uh, specificity will tell us that in order to improve those things, we can focus on a few different elements. We can focus on uh, number one, mobility, so that we have the range of motion required to complete the golf swing. The second thing is we... Uh, obviously want to have the strength to be stronger than what the sport demands of us. So we want to be able to swing a golf club with ease and not to be anywhere near a maximal effort to swing a club. Um, we also want to have the strength to chop through the rough, chop through the sand when we're hitting out of bunkers and have the strength to play those shots and, and not be held back by uh, not being strong enough or powerful enough to do that. Uh, we then want to have power which is a, a combination of, of strength and speed. And um, 
with that, there's obviously a little bit of a coordination effort as well in in power because we're um, converting, you know, the the strength that we have into fast movement. So the the coordination is is a key element also, uh, or not one of the keys of a golf fitness program, but a key to being specific into. Um, so there's some, they're, they're just like a couple of elements that you can just think of straight away. So if we focus on those, then we should see the best carryover to our golf game. If, however, we were to focus on the cardio element and neglect this other stuff that I've just mentioned, we're probably not going to see as much of a benefit in someone's golf game. Now, before the haters jump up and down and say, well, I could get way better if I was just fitter, or John Daly could get way better if he was just fitter and could walk around the course... Sure, there will always be outliers, but for like a very, very high percentage of the population, the specificity and requirement of going down the power, speed, mobility, and strength route, they're going to get far greater returns on the time invested in the gym to the benefits they see on the golf course. Now, the last point or the last key is recovery. And the thing that I see here is um, often golfers uh, just spend too much time on recovery and um, the the problem there is if we're spending too much time or, or we're recovering too much or doing too little sessions in a week, we will just not make as much progress because we're not putting enough stimulus into the body in order to create the adaptations. Now, what I mean by this is... Um, there's a really great resource that I have read recently and I need to reread it so I can take in more of the information. But um, it's two books, um, Strength Training Principles and Hypertrophy Training Principles uh, from uh, Dr. Mike Isretel from RP Strength. And they are such good resources that talk about what the volume should be. So the amount of sets and reps and weight and volume and load and all that stuff should be across a week in order to make gains for a beginner and intermediate and advanced person in a strength training program or a hypertrophy training program. And these have all been tested across numerous people so uh, and studied extensively so that we know that uh, for a beginner to make progress in hypertrophy or in order to um, put enough stimulus into the body to create hypertrophy in a training week, we need to do at least 10 sets per body part in order to make um, gains there. So if we think about that as the, the biceps or the triceps and we were to fit that into a week, then Monday we might do three sets of 10 bicep curls, like just straight normal bicep curls. Then we might do on Wednesday, we might do three sets of 10 um, concentration curls where you're just isolating an arm at a time and resting it on a pad so you're just using your bicep and then on uh, Friday we might do three sets of uh, supinated grip or, or palms facing you grip uh, narrow grip on a uh, lat pull down machine and doing uh, chin ups or pull downs with a lat machine um, and predominantly training your biceps there because when we turn the hands towards you you're going to use your biceps more so than your lats uh, in my experience it's been the case so then we've got three, three, three. So that's nine sets of a bicep movement across the week, which is probably just not enough volume. Like we're probably erring on maybe getting some benefit, but not getting the most benefit. So what might happen there is we might go four sets, four sets, four sets, and then we're hitting 12 sets of all of those movements and four, uh, 12 sets that are specifically targeting the biceps across the week, which we know is going to be sufficient 
stimulus on the biceps to create the adaptation that we want, which is muscle gain for the biceps. So if we think about it in that sense, then that's an amount of volume. And and what, getting back to my point, so I don't get get lost here in um in explaining all of that. And the reason I explain all of that is because. For some people, starting out, they might, and I do this with clients as well, I just give a lot of people nine sets of um, bicep work or nine sets of um, squats or lunges or single leg work or whatever it might be, and I just see how they respond to that because they, if they're brand new to training, which a lot of the clients that I work with are, especially the ones who are doing the uh, individual programs that I work with clients, and they're a little older as well, and when I say older, I'm not trying to... um, you know, be, be mean there, but like sort of 40 to 50 years old. Um, so, you know, they're not in their 20s or 30s anymore and they're new to training uh, in their in their 40s and 50s. Um, it's a very new stimulus. Their body's going to take a lot longer to recover. They just, you know, hangovers take longer to recover from. Like everything takes longer because your body's just a little older. And with them, if I just give them nine sets of that stuff, they find they're really sore. And I'm like, cool, you're on the... Um, they're like a really easy responder to that training. So I know that I don't need to give them any more than nine sets for at least the first four to six weeks because I know that they're probably going to be sore all that time as their body adjusts to it. And then the second phase of the training, I might um, just do one of the days instead of going three sets, three sets, three sets for legs or whatever it might be, I might do four sets, three sets, three sets. So they're going up to 10. And then across the next four to six week block, I might step them up to doing 12 sets up from the nine sets they were previously doing and see how their body responds to that and whether they're able to recover and slowly increasing the volume that way, the total volume that way um, and seeing how they recover from it. So uh, hopefully that's just shed a little bit of light onto you know why um, one, there's certain sets and reps and whatnot, but also just programming so it's like just enough to get the stimulus but not too much where we're getting into a point of just always being sore and then not being able to bring as much effort into the next session. And essentially, because I am talking about the key of recovery here, what I'll say to finish on that or to, to wrap that point up is we can only train as hard as we can recover. So if you are doing nine sets and then after that you're going out and doing a run and you're walking heaps and you're like walking up and down stairs and you've got a laboring job and you know, you're not getting much rest in between and you've just destroyed the legs by doing all those sets, you're probably not going to bring as much intensity to the next session and then you're going to be diminished again and then not bring as much intensity to the next one. So when it comes to recovery, there's a whole facet of other stuff that we can look at, um, which can be, you know, sleeping and taking supplements and um, et cetera, et cetera. But essentially, when we get to the next session, we should be able to put the intensity and the volume and the load that's required for that session into it. Um, If we're feeling fatigued or whatever, then we need to go back and start thinking about what does our recovery look like and how can I optimize my recovery or spend a little more time focusing on it so that when I do go to do that next session, I can put the effort it deserves into it so that I can get the result for actually doing the session because there'd be nothing worse than going into a session, not being able to put a full effort in and then still spending the time in the gym so that, you know, 30, 45, 60 or even up to 90 minutes depending on what you're doing and then not getting a result from that because you've essentially just gone through the motions and, and not got any result from the training. So um, I'll, I'll probably do another episode in the future 
purely on uh, recovery methods and just ways that you can, um, you know, think about getting recovered between, you know, sessions or between weeks or months or training phases or um, all of that stuff. So if you have any questions on that, I'd love to hear it or any experiences you've had and you'd like me to shed light on why it's been like that or how you can improve on that. Um, I'd always love to hear those. So yeah, either Instagram at Sean Dykoff or Sean, S-H-A-U-N at fairwayperformance.com. And I'll be happy to answer those questions on another future podcast like this, or even reach out to a guest who is a a real subject matter expert in that area and um, have them explain to you guys and, um, you know, maybe have a bit more science and data to back them up because that's their key area of expertise. Um, anyway, as always, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Uh, please, if you can spare the 10 to 30 seconds that it takes, I'd love for you to leave me a five-star rating or review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to the show. Uh, and if you ever want to reach out and just say hi, um, I'm always welcome to, uh, or you're always welcome to reach out and uh, and say good day to me on um, Instagram or the Sean at Fairway Performance email. And um, yeah, I'd love to chat about your training and see if there's some way that I can help you to maximize what your body's capable of so that you can take that to the golf course and, and see better results on the course. Until next week, guys, play well, and I'll talk to you soon.